Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Identify you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's see what the Lord has to say unto, on today unto his people. I believe God has a word, and I believe that if we open our hearts unto him, that we can receive the word of God with gladness. Amen. And that's how we want to receive it today, with gladness. Let's go to Luke 19. Luke 19, beginning at verse 1. Luke 19, beginning at verse 1. Thank you, God, for your word. St. Luke. Some of y'all know him as St. Luke. Go to St. Luke 19. (laughs) And the word of God now reads. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You may have a seat. I want to talk on this morning, seeking and saving that that are lost to become the sons of God. Seek and save those that are lost to become sons of God. When we look at this verse of scripture, it's talking about Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And being that he was a tax collector, he was taking money wrongfully from the people. And he found out about Jesus, so he went to see Jesus, but he was so short, he couldn't get to Jesus because of the press. I don't know about you, but when you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't care what's in your way. You're going to make a way to get to Jesus. And Jesus is the word. When you know something is going on in your life, you're going to make a way to come and hear the word of God because faith come by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. So Zacchaeus, he got up in a tree 
because he was making it his business to see Jesus. And when Jesus came by, he told Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation has come to your house today. So he took heed to what Jesus said and he received him joyfully. And that's what happens when we become born again. We receive what Jesus has for us joyfully. That joy on the inside of us bubble up. That's part of the fruit of the spirit. So Zacchaeus was very happy that, you know, he heard um, what Jesus had to say. He received what Jesus had to say. His heart changed. By his heart changing, he was not doing what he used to do no more. When you truly accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, there's a change of heart. That means the things that you used to do when you were in the world, you don't want to do those things no more. You're ready to give those things up instantly. Those things are not a part of you no more. So Zacchaeus said, whomever he has taken from, he was willing to give back more. That's how his heart had changed for Jesus. There was a, a change of heart, meaning that he turned from sin and he turned unto God. And the Bible, the verse that, that's standing out that I want you to see, for the Son of Man to, came to seek and to save those that, that which was lost. Seek is in order to find. So Jesus was out preaching, teaching the gospel of the kingdom. The good news is the gospel of the kingdom. He was bringing the kingdom unto Zacchaeus. He was bringing the kingdom unto those that were ready to hear what he had to say. Zacchaeus received it. Some people are saying that they're receiving from the word of God, but yet their life is not um, showing forth what they have received and what they believe. Anytime that you believe something, you have to receive it first. And then you begin to believe it. That's when you begin to have faith in it. And that's when people begin to see there's a difference in that person. That person don't live the same way they live. They don't talk the same way they talk. They don't do the things that they used to do. They, they hate sin. Because they love God. When you love God, you love him because you know he first loved you. And everything else doesn't matter. Everything else you, you put to the side and say, that's not me no more. That's not who I am. And you may not know who you are. You may not know your new identity. But you know a change have taken place. And you want to find out what has taken place in my life to stop me from doing what I used to do. I don't know about you. But the day I accepted Jesus, I didn't want to do what I did no more. And it may not have been much as everybody else was doing, but sin is sin. See, there's no big sins and there's no little sins. Sins is just sins. If you're a liar, you're already a murderer. If you're a murderer, you're already a liar. If you're a murderer, you're already um, into homosexuality, even though you're not doing it. So we don't look at how big sins are. We don't, you know, put them on a paper and say, this one is bigger than the other. He died for all sins. He died for past, present, and future sins. So you can't look at what this person is doing and say, because I'm not doing it, I'm better. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So this is why we have to not look at a person after the flesh, but we got to look at them according to the spirit. But when true change, when true change come into your life, you're going to be just like Zacchaeus. You don't want to talk the way you talk no more. And even if you cuss, you want to stop and say, uh-uh, forgive me. That wasn't right. Because the Bible says, let no corrupt communication Come out of your mouth. So if you're in the word and the word get in you, even though it slips, come on, some of us let it slip, but some of us ain't letting it slip no more. That's just part of us. 
And we say it's okay, but it's not okay because that's not who you are now that you're in him. So Jesus came to seek and save those was, that was lost. And you can see that he um, was, was seeking because look at Zacchaeus, he was found. Zacchaeus was lost. Some of us don't even know we're lost. Some of us are still living in um, a world of sin, but we think we okay because our family is okay, our money is okay, I'm physically okay, everything around me is okay. The enemy wants you to think everything is okay. But if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is not okay. Go back. I want to go back to Luke chapter 15. Go back with me to Luke chapter 15. Now we're talking about seeking and saving those that are lost. And I'm going to bring it all together. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, I'm reading out the expanded Bible. The tax collectors who were despised because they worked for the Roman rulers and were notorious for corruption. And the sinners all came, the tax collectors and the sinners all came, drew near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the scribes, began to complain, mumble, grumble. Look this, look this, man welcomes. Look at this, this man welcomes, associate and receives sinners and even eats with them. So he was saying, they were saying, he's making them be accepted by him. But see, this is the problem. So when Jesus was coming up, he was seeking to save those that was lost. Remember, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus was among the world, but he was not being like the world. He was on a mission for God. He was on a mission to seek and to save those that are lost. That is the mission that we should be on. That is the commission that he has given all of us. And Jesus was following what the father told him to follow. You can be in the world, but you don't be of the world. That means you don't do what the world does. Why? Because if you are set apart from the world, the world should not see the world. The world should see the kingdom of God. The world should see change in you. You're in it, but you're not of it. And they're looking at you and saying, man, they're, they're, you know, around us, but they're not like us. They don't talk like us. They don't walk like us. They don't do what we do. So if you are truly born again, you're not going to be acting like they act. So Jesus said, I'm coming to seek and save those that are lost. Just because I'm around them don't mean I'm like them. And when Jesus started talking about the kingdom, people know he's different. He's way different than they are. So when we look in the word of God, when it says in John 17, this is where I says that, say that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we don't do what the world does. And John 17, Jesus began to pray to the father because he was going to be with the father. John 17, 14 through 15. He said, I have given them your teaching, your word. And the world has hated them because they don't belong to the world. Now, by Jesus giving those disciples, those followers, those learners of Jesus, giving them the word of God, they were hated. When you're carriers of the word and you're carrying the word and you're speaking forth the word, there's a difference between you and the world. Meaning that your friends ain't going to want to hang around you no more because your language is different. Your family don't even want to hang around you no more because your language is different. 
Nobody want to visit you no more because your language is different. Nobody want to invite you nowhere no more because your language is different. Or even if they invite you and you amongst them and you talking Jesus, they want you to go. They wish they have never invited you. Or if you coming up on something, they already done talk you down because you coming up because they see in his glory. And they don't want God's glory to be a part of that because guess what? We seek to save those that are lost. Jesus was seeking to save those that are lost. Jesus wanted them to come to the Father. So we see here that Jesus, when we look at this, he said, I have given them your teaching, your word. Have we given people the word? Or do we sit around and allow people to talk foolishness and we don't stop them and give them truth? Come on, somebody. How many people are we around and they're talking foolishness and we're sitting there listening to their foolishness, but we're not giving them the truth. See, you're not going to be hated because you're not giving the truth. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth is what's going to make you free. Now, if I'm hanging around somebody and they're talking foolishness and I'm laughing with them through them talking foolishness, how are they going to be free? How are they going to know the truth? Because they're thinking it's okay with what they're saying. So if you don't pull the reins of their mind and allow them to know this is not how God want it to be. Come on, somebody. You don't sit amongst people to seek and save those that are lost. And you go along with what they're doing. And what I don't care who it is. You have to bring correction. That's what the word of God does. The word of God corrects you. It trains you for righteousness. Come on. It lets you know if you're in false doctrine. Come on, somebody. The word of God is to teach you not to sit amongst stuff and let people think it's right. That is not right. You're supposed to be so grieved in your spirit. But some of us have gotten so comfortable, we think it's normal. We think this is the way it should be because we got people hoovering around us. See, that's a sign of rejection. When you don't speak up for your father, that means that you love what the world is doing. That you're right where the world is. And this is why Jesus said, I have given them your teaching, the word. And the world has hated them. Why? Because I have given them your word. Because they don't belong to the world. Just as I don't belong to the world. You are in this world. But you don't belong to this world. And when we get that really on the inside of us, we will quit being bothered about what people think about us. Or how people should treat us. They're not going to treat you right. They're going to treat you the opposite. They're going to hate you. Why? Because he was hated. You're going to be hated. So you need to get over yourself. You need to get over trying to fit in with the crowd. You need to get over because nobody didn't invite you to this. Because nobody don't want to do what you want to do. Do you know who you are? When you know who you are, it don't matter if nobody don't want to do it. If you got to do it by yourself. You should give God glory that you can do it by yourself and God is getting the glory because if you pull one, you can pull a thousand. It don't have to be in your home, y'all. It don't have to be amongst your family. He said you got to let go of family. Oh, y'all quiet today. You got to let go of family. You got to let go of husband and wife and children. You got to let go of all of that and take up your cross and follow me. 
You cannot put your hand to the plow and look back. If you look back, he said, you ain't fit for my kingdom. Why did Jesus say, let the dead bury the dead? He wasn't talking about, okay, not caring for your family member. What he was talking about, they're lost, they're dead. Let them bury themselves. So you got to understand it is our job to preach, to bring forth, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. He wasn't worrying about what people thought about him. He wasn't worrying about if people didn't never do nothing for him. He was coming to serve. He was a son coming to serve on the behalf of his father. And until we get that, we're going to be stuck in never, never land. Trying to fix ourselves and trying to fix everybody else. You cannot fix what he's already fixed. It is just your job to tell people what he's already done. And it's up to them to accept it. And if they don't accept it, you plan it. Somebody is going to water, but my God is going to give the increase. You don't have to keep boom, 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 boom. God is reminding me of this. You know how you can take a nail and you can put it in a board and you hitting it and you hitting it and just seem like that nail don't want to go in that board. It's time to leave that nail alone. It's time to leave the nail alone. Or have y'all noticed some nails you can put in a board and after a period of time they pop back up. We're going to go there today. Because some people think they got a firm foundation. It's, It's in Jesus. But it's according to where you are in him. So we see this is what Jesus was saying. You are in the world, but you don't belong to the world. And listen what he's saying. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Why you want to do us like that? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe, protect them from the evil one. That's the devil. He's not asking God to take us out of this world. Because he has given us what we need to stay here on this earth until it's our time to leave here. He has given us everything we need because he walked the earth. He walked the word, became flesh, and dwelled among us. So it's nothing that we can go through that he ain't already went through and he's already defeated. So he know how much we can bear. And sometimes we get into our flesh And we think, oh, Lord, why me? Why does this happen to me? God, I just don't know when we should be saying, God, give me strength to endure what I'm going through. Because, God, I know it's a testing and I know it's a trial. And I know through patience and endurance, God, I'm going to get through that that trial so I can mature more and be stronger in you. But we don't want to go through nothing. Come on, I don't know about you. We whine and complain sometime about a dish being left in the sink. We want to go through washing a dish. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we whine and complain because we don't want to get in the shower. Too tired to wash. We whine and, oh, I just got to go take a bath. Oh, I got to go do this right here. I just got to do all this. Just got to do it. You got to wash yourself. You understand? Some people just complain about washing. We complain about every little thing. Come on, I have to catch myself sometimes. Sometimes it's a merry-go-round in my mind. And I say, well, stop right there. I'm not doing this alone. God, you're my help. God, you're here to help me. You have given me a, I have to really stop y'all and think and say, Lord, you're the one that helps me. 
It's not me that's going to do it. So I want to encourage you today to let you know you're not alone. He said he won't leave you, nor shall he forsake you. He's there for you. That's God. That's your father. He didn't leave you in this world by yourself because he know what the world is full of. So then when we look in 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or the things associated with the world. Come on, we can preach on that. Do not love the world or the things associated with the world. Y'all know the world has a lot to offer. The world have a lot of things to offer. And if we love those things, it says here, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's, that's the word. If you love the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That means you love those things more than you love God. Because if you're gravitated more to those things than you are to God, then you love them more than you love God. And the love of the Father is not in you. We can get things, but we don't supposed to love those things more than we love God. If we spend more time on those things than we spend with God, then something is wrong. This is why God tried Abraham. Abraham waited on a son for 25 years and God had the audacity to wait that they got way up there in age. And the reason why he done that, because he said, man ain't getting my glory. This is something that man can't do. And this is what we have to understand today. Whatever God does is outside of man. If man can do it, God wouldn't have to do nothing. But God want everybody to see his glory revealed. He want his glory to be made known. So look at Abraham, 25 years, he waited on the son. He got the son, Isaac. Then God is going to tell Abraham, I want your son. I want you to sacrifice what you've been waiting on for 25 years. Come on, we know Abraham loved that son because he waited on that son. He trusted God. He believed God for that son. So when God said, give me the son. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, when we have children and people want to dedicate their children and they want to give their children to God, that means we're giving them back to God because they belong to God. But some of us don't take that seriously. Some of us just want to dress our kids up to look pretty on that day to let everybody know, look at my child. Ain't that pretty? Ain't that pretty? But if they're going back home in the same mess, And when you dedicate something to God, you're saying, God, I'm giving this to you. This belongs to you. I'm raising this child up the way you would want this child raised up. I want this child to be like you would have this child to be, not like I want this child. That's dedicating. That's giving that child back to God. So God was saying, I want Isaac. So Abraham, he didn't fuss with God because he knew. He said, well, if you kill him. You got to give him back. Because if you don't give him back, you're going to be a liar. So Abraham went and he was obedient unto who? He was obedient unto God because he knew my father knows best. God knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for my child. Who am I to tell him I'm not going to give Isaac back to you? So y'all know what God did, right? He was testing Abraham. He was seeing if Abraham loved that child more than he loved God. It was proven Abraham loved God more than he loved that child. I don't think some of us have gotten there yet. 
Because some of us let our children dictate to us. Some of us watch our children so hard we forget that there is a God that can take care of those children better than we can. We cannot do for our children the way that God can, y'all. The only thing we can do is get before our Heavenly Father in prayer and say, I don't know what to do with them. Lord, they were yours before they were mine. God, you already know the plans you have for them. God, I need to know what you want me to pray over them. Because right now, I don't know which way to go. We got to be open and honest. We got to, you know, let God know our heart and quit trying to fix something that God has already fixed. Because he know the plans that he has for each and every one of us in here today. So we want to go to the one that know the plan of good and not evil to have so we can have a hope and we can have a future. So we need to learn to wait on the Lord and quit getting anxious and quit getting in a hurry. So Jesus said, when we love the things of the world more than we love God, come on, that's who we're gravitating to. We gravitate to those things more than we're gravitating to God. And it's outside of our children. It could be our husband. It could be our wives. It could be what the, the possessions that we have or cars. It could be our house. It could be our furniture. Anything that you put more emphasis in than you put in God, that's your idol. That's who you worship. God does not want us to love things more than we love him. And sometimes God would test us with those very things to see where we are in him, to see what we're going to do. This is why the word of God tells us over and over again, we know the book, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. Conformed in here means do not be shaped. Conformed to press into the mold by. So we don't do what the world does, but it says instead be changed within, transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't take the time to renew our mind to who we are now that we are in him, we're still going to be conformed to this world. We're going to be adapted to the world customs. We're going to be doing what the world does instead of putting our trust in God, instead of leaning and depending on him. So y'all, I'm still in Luke. 15 verses 1 and 2 I'm talking about how these Pharisees and how the scribes was looking at Jesus and saying you should not even associate with the world see they they didn't even know what was going on the only thing they was concerned about was reputation about how you looking now there's a difference if you going out clubbing and say you trying to win some souls you know that's a lie if you going in that club to win somebody you shouldn't be there all night dancing well you got to dance you got to do what they're doing to draw them to you. You got to put these songs in the club that we're, that we're singing to get people out of, come on somebody. If you put a song and they play that song, it should be some deliverance. Nobody shouldn't be on the floor on stomp. Have y'all ever heard such things? But this is what the enemy is doing. The enemy is twisting the word of God because he's keeping people to himself. So we see what the Pharisees did not want. They did not want Jesus ministering to these people because they felt like it was ruining his reputation. But Jesus was letting them know, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I don't do what the world does. Then the next thing that God was showing me, we're still in Luke 15, verse 3 through 7. Now listen at this. Jesus began to talk to them in a parable. A parable is a story. 
So Jesus had to lay this story out to them to give them understanding of understanding what he was doing. And he spoke this parable unto them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, do not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Remember I said he came to seek and to find to save those that are lost. So Jesus was telling them, if you had a hundred sheep, he had to meet them where they were. He had to open it up to them where they were. He said, if you had a hundred sheep and one was lost, he said, wouldn't you leave that 99 and go find that one that's lost? Now I want y'all to imagine sheep. There's a shepherd with a lot of sheep. And he had to watch over these sheep. The shepherd is watching over them. And remember, the shepherd called the sheep by name. But there is one sheep in that bunch that always wanders off. He's in the, look at the sheep, picture the sheep right here in the middle of the floor. And all of them gathered together around that shepherd. But it's one that moves just a little. Y'all see the sheep moving? The ones are still there, gathered around the shepherd. That sheep keep moving. The others are still gathered around the shepherd. And after a while, that sheep is out there lost. Because little by little, that sheep wanders off. What is getting that sheep to wander from around the sheepfold? One thing that will keep a person that is saved from wandering, from wandering off is when you hang around the wrong people. When you're hearing what they're hearing outside of what you're learning, little by little, you'll start wondering. You'll start venturing off. And when you start venturing off, you're thinking you can find something better. So that sheep began to wander off. But guess what? The shepherd was determined to go find that one sheep. Because he knew he had the love for that one sheep. He loved all of them. But when you look at a wilderness too, he knew what was in the wilderness. The wilderness is the world, y'all. Jesus already know what's in the world. He know that death represents the world. He know that there's murder, there's thieves, there's lions in the wilderness. There's nothing there. So he knew that that sheep was going to be left out there vulnerable to die. He didn't want that sheep to die. So guess what he said? I'm going to sacrifice my life. The shepherd is saying this. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to find this sheep because I don't want this sheep to die. So if anybody die, it'll be me. So he went looking for that sheep and he didn't stop in that wilderness. Y'all imagine a wilderness wasteland. It's got all these wild animals out there. You don't know what kind of snakes you're going to run. You don't know. It's death out there. But Jesus wasn't giving up. The shepherd wasn't giving up. So the Bible says that he sought that sheep. And when he found that sheep, he didn't let that sheep walk back. He put that sheep on his shoulder and he said, cast all your cares on me. Every burden that you have, everything that you're going through, whatever you need, I'm your provision. I'm your healer. I'm everything that you need. He put the burden of that sheep on his shoulder that's why it says that when jesus come he was gonna have what the government upon his shoulder he was gonna bear the weight of everything so he took even the weight of that sheep he had it on his shoulders and he took the sheep back to the sheepfold isn't that a loving father 
Isn't that a loving shepherd? He sought that sheep, he found that sheep, and he carried that sheep. So he said, cast all your cares today. Roll all your cares upon me because I care about you. When we can truly depend on God. See, when that sheep wandered off, he was losing trust in God. He was saying, I can do this myself. We're wanderers, some of us. Some of us wander away, even from the, the, the church. We wander away because we feel like I can find a better word. I can do this better myself. I don't need to be coming into church today. I'm okay. I'm saved. I don't need this. So you'll wander off. But God is always there waiting on you. He hasn't left you. Then after Jesus did that, he even talked about a lost coin, y'all. See, all of this stuff, if we take the time and allow the Holy Spirit to open it up, you will see yourself in some of this. So it was a lost coin. So he was bringing out the lost coin. And look what he said about the lost coin. Then he said, after he got the sheep, brought the sheep back, then he was ready to have a party, a celebration. Because he was rejoicing because he said, the one that was lost, he is found. Then he talked about the lost coin. He said in verse 8, either what woman having 10 pieces of silver... If she loses one piece, do not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Now look at this. He's still talking about seeking and saving those that are lost. He's using a coin now. This woman lost the coin. The coin was very precious to her. It was of value. So what this woman did, she lit a lamp. She lit that lamp so she can sweep through the house. See, she's seeking diligently. Anytime you turn on a light... (laughs) Or anytime you shine a light, you're looking for something. How many of y'all, when you drop something, you have to turn on the light? You have to get something so you can really see where you dropped it at, right? Jesus is the light of the world. And where the light is, guess what it does? It exposes darkness. The darkness can't comprehend the light. So he's letting her know, I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. I come to seek those that are lost because they are in darkness. When she was sweeping through a house, when a woman sweeps through a house, what does she do? She's making sure she get all the dirt. She's making sure she get all the, some women. Some women don't sweep through no house. Some women leave the dirt there and get so used to the dirt, they live like that. That's just crazy. They get you, I'm tired. I ain't cleaning up no house today. People come in your house just sneezing. What's wrong with you? You got that COVID. No, I was fine. I come up in your house. Dust everywhere, look. Ain't no dust there. Good job. <laughs> but anyway, this is what happened. So she was sweeping that house. And she was sweeping it diligently to seek what was lost. She was determined to find it. She did not give up until she found Y'all, Jesus, God did not give up on us. But we so easily give up on him. And being that he is the light of the world, now we're in him. We should be lights. We should be beacons of light. We should be a city that sits on a hill. And the light is shining so bright that people are coming to that light. Just like Renee back there. When I looked at her, God said, Renee. Just like Renee back there. Like her daycare. It should be a beacon of light that she don't even have to say anything. They're coming to that light and say, can you take my child can you take my child no I'm, I'm just too full right now but I want them here I, I just can't take them she's that beacon of light 
And God is sending them to the, come on somebody. God is sending people to that light. When we was in Walkertown, I remember somebody was saying we was too far out there. People ain't going to know where we are. That was a lie. We didn't have to advertise. We didn't have to do that because when people were coming to that light, when people were coming, they were leaving telling people, guess where I've been? You need to go over there. See, only thing you need is, is people that, that come and get the truth that has been set. They're going to tell people about where they've been. Just like restaurants, we tell people where we've been because it's so good. We want to share that taste with somebody else. Let me ask you something. Have you really tasted the word? Have you really tasted the word and know how good it is and you just can't stop talking about it? The more you talk about the word with people that are doing wrong, they don't want to hang around you no more. They want you to shut up. They don't want to hear what you got to say. They're they thinking you always got something to say. Yes, I do. Because if it ain't in alignment and you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'm not going to sit there and agree with you no matter how mad you get. That's a rebuke and that's a correction. And everybody in the church supposed to be doing it. You don't sit up there and let nobody think it's okay and you just smile. You can still smile and say, nope. That's not right. (laughs) Then turn this way. Nope, that's not right. Who told you that? Where you get that from? So see, if we don't tell people truth, how are they going to know it and get set free? That's what Jesus did. And we're supposed to do what he done. So this woman found the coin. She didn't give up on that coin, y'all, until she found that coin, right? And then she began to call people over and rejoice. He said, that's how it is in heaven. When someone gets saved, From being lost, when they're found, the angels in heaven, heaven is rejoicing. We should be rejoicing. When someone turned their life over to God, that should be the biggest celebration ever. Because they have a new life now in Christ. And if you know your new life in Christ, and they have um, accepted Jesus, you should, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, I give you glory. And people be like, why are you so happy? Because the one that was lost, now they're found. It's time to celebrate. Come on, we celebrate other things. We celebrate weddings. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. But how many of us have celebrated someone that was lost and now they're found? How many of us have really taken the time and say, oh, it's a joyful occasion, y'all. What is the occasion? Someone that was lost, now they're found. Now they have life and they have it more abundantly. They have that Zoe life. Have y'all ever thought about that? Let's go on. So that lost coin, it was found. So this is where I'm going. This is what Jesus said, for the light of the world, go to John 8, 12. It talks about him being the light of the world. And he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Then I want you to know before I go any further, I'm talking about the commission. Seeking and saving those that are lost. He have given all of us the great commission. It's nobody left out. 
That's Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make followers, disciples of all people in the world and nations. He said, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he have given us the commission. Jesus had done what he needed to do according to the Father. Now he's commissioning us. This is what we supposed to be doing, what he done. I want to go back to how the lady was sweeping the house. You know how you take a broom and you sweep the house and you're sweeping some areas that you can't get to, that you probably wouldn't go into yourself? This is how it should be. We should be going into places that nobody want to go into. We should be going into places to reach people where nobody would go into those places to reach them. Everywhere we go, we should be seeking to save those that are lost. We know that Jesus have already done it, but saving them is from that destruction. I don't care what kind of title you have. Fivefold, yes, we uh, teach people to be mature in Christ. And when they bring them in here, we teach them, but we're supposed to be out there as well. When you go to the restaurant, fivefold, you ain't no different from nobody else. You can go to the nursing homes, you ain't no different from nobody else. Who, wherever the Spirit leads you, that's where you need to be. You don't have to wait just to come in the church and say, my place is inside the church. I don't go outside the church. You outside every day. You outside on your job. So you take off the title when you're on your job. And you just put it on when you come back to church. No. Whatever your hands find to do, you do it unto the Lord. Wherever you are, that does not stop you from the commission that God has given you. And this is the problem. Some people think because they bishop, apostle, teacher, prophet, evangelist, they think I don't do, other people do. No, we all have a commission. And all of us need to be outside of these walls because the, the world don't even know they're dying. The world don't even know that they're lost. They're thinking that they're okay because, you know, I'm living my best life. No, you're not. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not living no best life. You're living a life full of death, full of sorrow, full of pain. And that's, it, that's why we have to tell them what Jesus came to do. Amen? So then when we look at First Timothy, we know this one. Who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, 4. Second Peter 3, 9. He says that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to what? Repentance. He don't want nobody to perish. That's why Jesus went out. He went out. He said... I came to seek and save those that are lost. So everywhere we go, we should be saying, God, if there's somebody in here that don't know you, God, I'm like a magnet. Just allow me to open my mouth and speak to them. Allow me to say what you want me to say. And you don't have to bring out a ham and start, are you saved? I remember I went through a drive-thru with somebody. Was I at the drive-thru? No, they were at the drive-thru. And I was on the phone with them. And it was McDonald's. And I heard them Telling the person to order them something. And all of a sudden, she asked them as they saved. I said, what is you doing? Why would you want to do something like ask them as they That ain't no doing, uh-uh. That ain't how you do things. Are you saved? Right through the, that's not how you witness. People take it to the extreme. Come on, the people on the job at a drive-thru. And if they say they ain't saved, you're going to hold up the whole drive-thru. 
and say, ask your boss, can you take a break? I don't want you to die in hell. They don't make no sense. Not none, none whatsoever. There's a timing for everything. And God will give you the right time. And God is not an out of order God. God is not going to let nobody stop nobody from working when they have an authority over them. Come on. He don't work like that. But some of us do. Then when they get fired, oh, see, that's the devil. Well, you must have been the devil that day. So let's, let's continue. I want to show y'all something. Remember, God is showing us how Jesus went from the sheep. Then he went to what? The coin. This is showing you how he's seeking to save those that are lost. He's seeking to save those that are lost. But then he goes on with another parable. After he finished with the lady with the coin, y'all, we done been here. God is taking you back because I want you to see how it comes together. Look at what happened in this verse. And then he's doing another parable. And he says, a certain man had two sons. And y'all know what happened. The younger son went to his father and he said, give me my inheritance. Guess what the father did? He didn't hold it back from him. He gave him what belonged to him, and he also gave it to the older son. This right here is grace and mercy. God has given all of us grace and mercy. And God is rich in some mercy, y'all. So he gave both of them the same thing. I want you to understand this. He didn't leave neither son out. He gave both of them some grace and mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. Meaning you didn't have to earn it. For it is a gift of God. So both of them didn't have to earn nothing. Boom, bam, there's your inheritance. The younger son took his inheritance. He went out amongst the world. Now understand this. He was in his father's house. He knew how his father operated. Let me say this. Just because God has given you grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, does not mean that you can go out and live any kind of way and say you represent that father. I'm going to say it again. Some of us are pulling the grace card. We're doing things that we were doing in the world and say, I'm still saved. Come on, if you're truly saved, you wouldn't want to do what you're doing no more. Y'all, my heart is so grieved because it's so many people talking about Jesus, but living opposite to Jesus and people are following those people. And the reason why they're following those people, because they're making it look like so much of the world. They're trying to make it look so glamorous, getting prayer lines. Telling people to come in and pray, dressing up, trying to beautify themselves. Did y'all know it's filters you can use on your face and it make people look glamorous. And then when you see them, you're like, Lord, have mercy. Seriously, Lord, have some mercy. Come on, somebody. People use all those filters. And then when you say, what happened to you? Did your husband whoop you? Your face just don't, it look puffy, something wrong. So people use that to draw people. And some people are drawn by that because that's what they think salvation is. They think I can serve Christ and serve the world. He said he wants you either hot or cold. He don't want no lukewarm because he's going to spool you out. So you got some people that say, oh, I'm saved, I'm born again. If people keep telling you that, 
Come on, you need to, for real, you need to go back in the word of God and you need to talk about what Jesus did. Because some people use that because really they're feeling guilty. You don't have to tell nobody you saved. You don't have to start speaking in tongues to let people think you're saved because the devil can speak in tongues. You don't have to do none of that stuff. Only thing you have to do is renew your mind. Knowing who you are now that you're in Christ, get to know your new identity, and guess what? You're going to live that Zoe life. You don't have to tell nobody nothing. So here we go. Jesus began to talk about these two sons. Both of them had some grace and some mercy. The one took his and he went out and he lived amongst the world and did some living that he should not have been living, right? And guess what? He lived well with his little inheritance. He was having some fun with what he had. How many of us have fun when the income taxes come? How many of us have fun when people bless us? But then when the money is gone, we come back to ourselves and say, oh, Lord. We all do it. Because we depend on those things. So he spent everything that he had. A famine came in the land. And when the famine came in the land, guess what? He had to go out and work now. So he went out and he was helping somebody feed the pigs. And he would have even eaten what the pigs was eating, but it wasn't offered to him. So this is what he said. He said, you know what? I can go back to my father. No, he said, my father have enough hired servants that are not living like this i'm paraphrasing it hired servants a person that's hired have to do what earn their wages right he said he have hired servants and he said i can go back to my father and live like one of these what hired servants so let's go there when we look at verse okay 17 it says and when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger so he came to himself guess what happens to us y'all you got to understand this parable these people were saved this is us you have people that are saved that go out in the world do all that they want to do then when trouble come and when they fall and they fall hard that's when they come to themselves when sickness come, when the children ain't acting right, when nobody don't want to have nothing to do with you because they don't use you until you can't be used no more. Finally, you come to yourself when the job ain't there no more, when the money ain't there no more, when the husband ain't there, when the wife ain't there, when the children ain't there, when the dogs and cats and cows, whatever, ain't there. Now you want to come to yourself and say, I don't have to live like this. You had to hit rock bottom to go back and remember what you had when you were serving the father, when you were with your father. So he came to himself and remembered these things. So this is what he did. And I will arise and go to my father. Guess what was happening here? Humility. We come to humility when everything else runs out. Have y'all noticed that? When things happen in our lives, we get humble. We get so humble that we're the nicest people you ever met. Because we're going through or we got a bad report. So now we we talking and, and just talking, just telling people all our business. 
So he said, he's going back to his father. And I was saying to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. What was he doing? He was repenting. He was making a turn. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He said, make me as a hired servant. I'm not worthy to be called thy son. So he was looking at being worthy through being hired, through earning. So he said, I'm not worthy to be a son. See, a son is not a servant. A son is somebody that don't have to earn nothing. Y'all better catch on. Remember, I'm talking about seeking to say that which which was lost to become the sons of God. So first, you got to be sought out. (laughs) Somebody got to give you the word of God. Somebody got to give you the kingdom. Once they give you the kingdom, see, we're seeking those that are lost because we don't want them to, you know, to die in their sin. And once they are sought out and once they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he was showing humility. And then guess what happened? And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Look what the father did. The father saw him a great way off. Now, let me tell y'all some difference between this parable and the other parable that Jesus did with the sheep. Now, the shepherd went out looking for that sheep. That's an animal, right? He used it as a parable. But when you get to this human being, that human being have a will. So that human being had to come to itself and be willing now to repent. See? But the father was still waiting on that, on that human being. The father is still waiting on us. But he know you have a will and he can't go outside your will. This is why it's so important, y'all. You don't leave people to themselves. When you see people... Not doing what the word of God is telling them to do. You don't leave them to themselves. You give them the word of God. You tell them what the word of God has to say. If you're in the crowd and you see somebody that you know that's a Christian. And they're cutting the fool and they're cussing somebody out. And you seeing it with your two eyes. You don't turn your head and say, I ain't saying nothing to her. She's known to cuss you out. Why I want to say something. Because you're in the same church. You're getting the same teachings. So you want to go to that person. And you want to encourage them in the Lord. You want to let them know what the word of God is saying unto them. You don't want to leave them like they are. And they got a will. You give them the word. It's up to them whether or not they want to take it. But you did your part. Because when you stand before the Father and he asks you, you saw Sister Deborah poop to poop to poop and you didn't say nothing. I ain't saying nothing to Deborah. You are out to serve me. So you don't do what you want to do. So this is what this son did. The father was waiting for him. Waiting for him. He didn't say nothing to that son. He just kissed him. He showed compassion to him. If you see somebody that's doing something wrong, you don't just come and condemn them. You show compassion. You show mercy. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. He gives us new mercy every day. So even though they're doing wrong, you're supposed to show compassion. You're supposed to show love. 
The Holy Spirit will let you know how to minister. Because if you're in the word every day, he'll bring something before you and allow you to show them what God is showing you. So this is what the father did. But let me tell you what else happened. I'm getting to sons. So we seek those that are lost, seek to find, to save those that are lost by going out ministering what the good news. But we want them to become sons. So he showed compassion and then, and the son and the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more words to be called thy son. But guess what the father did? He didn't uh, talk against him. He said, see, he's in condemnation now because of what he done. So what the father did, he said, this is what I want you to do. He called his servant. A servant is a hired servant, one that have to earn their keep. But this son, he said, I want you to go get the best robe for my son. That robe that he was giving him, I'm going to tell you how that worked. I gave y'all this before, but I'm going to add something to it. Go to Isaiah 61. Y'all, I love to be taught. Because when you're taught, it helps you to look at you. It helps you to think about you. Isaiah 61, listen at this one. Verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments and as a bride adorned herself with her jewels. What's happening here? He said, I want you to give him the best robe. Meaning what he was doing, he was putting him on a robe of righteousness, meaning that he was putting him back in right standing with God. Putting him back in right standing with God means all that filth, all that stuff is done away with. So the garments of salvation, when you have on the garments of salvation, that's what God see. He don't see your filth no more. And when you see yourself, you should see yourself so pure before God, so clean before God, not because of what you done, but because of what Jesus done on your behalf. Your cleanness is not coming from you, it's coming from Jesus. So when God see you, he see you in right standing. He see you in clean clothes. All that filth, he don't see no more. This is why in Isaiah 64, it said before we came to Jesus, guess what? We had filthy rags. We had dirty garments. Just like uh, it was just filthy and dirty. But now we don't have that no more because we're in him. So when he gave him that best robe, he said he was telling him, he's in right standing with me. He was telling all those around him, give him the best robe. He's clean now. He has on no more dirty attire. He is clean. And this is why when Joshua stood there and his clothes got changed and clean, he had no more 50 garments on. He had clean clothes. Why? In Zechariah 3, Joshua the priest. Because you cannot stand before God dirty and filthy. That represents sin. So because of Jesus and what he done, he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God through him. So our righteousness, our right standing before God ain't based on us. Quit looking at you no matter what wrong you do. God don't see you, he see Jesus. But when you know you do wrong, that's why you have the Holy Spirit to remind you of who you are now that you're in Christ Jesus. 
So he gave him the best robe. He said, put him on what? The best robe. He didn't give him anything that was uh, tore up from the floor up. He said, I want my son to have the best. God gave us the best of everything, y'all. We have everything that we need where? In him. And then when we go look in the word of God, the next thing that he did, he didn't only give him the best of uh, the robe. He said, now I want you to put a ring on his finger. And we know that that ring represents authority. Y'all know in the book of Esther, the ring was given to Mordecai. The ring was given to Haman. You know, it was showing that they were in what? They were in authority. So we have authority because of Jesus, not because of us. We have right, a right to rule and reign, right? Because he has given us that right through Jesus Christ. So remember your authority. God is waiting on you here on this earth. The heavens and the heavens are who? The Lord is God, but he has given the earth to who? Us. He has given the earth to us for us to reign and rule as kings and as priests. So we have to do our part in order for God to open up the heavens to reign down here on earth. This um, preacher was telling this one day, uh, dealing with authority. He said that, do y'all believe? He said, I could stand in the middle of the road. He was a... um. A pastor. He said, I could stand in the middle of the road, put my hand out, and stop 18 wheelers. People are like, what? And they looked at him like he was crazy. He said, the reason why I could do that is because I was a state trooper before I was a pastor. So they, when they saw me, they stopped because, guess what? I had the whole state behind me. It wasn't only me. He said, I had the authority from the whole state. So when you see that you got authority, heaven is backing you up. So when you say, in the name of Jesus, which is above every name, get out, it has to go. Because guess what? Your father is backing you up. But when you don't know your authority, you got to know your authority as sons. See, this is the problem. We don't know sonship. We're trying to get every other kind of ship, but don't know sonship. So if you don't know sonship, you still waiting on God to do something that God has already done through his son. And now because of Jesus, you are an heir of God, but you are joint heir because of Jesus Christ. So you got to know your sonship. You got to know your inheritance. So he gave him that ring. That ring was showing what? Authority. The right to rule and reign. So he gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. But then he looked. He didn't have no shoes on his feet. Now in the Bible, when you see people without shoes on their feet, it represents too, they're giving up their rights. When you look at Deuteronomy 25, you can go back and read it. It was this um, man that had died. He had brothers. And these brothers um, had to um, marry the wife to have seed by the wife. But it was one of them that didn't want to marry that wife. (laughs) Didn't want to be with that wife. Go with me to Deuteronomy 25. I think it's kind of funny. He didn't want to be with that, that wife in Deuteronomy 25. So this is what he told them. He went to them. And told them in verse 9, well, verse 8, it said, Then the elders of this city shall call him and speak, speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her. <laughs> I like not to take her. I believe he was probably saying, 
Well, I got to take her. Do you know how she looked? I don't want her. Why I got to take her. So he didn't want to take her. Now, y'all, this is funny. Y'all know how some men are. I don't want that one. I want that one. I like not to take her. Now, listen at this. Then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoes from off his foot and spit in his face. And shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house. So she's upset. Oh, you don't want me, huh? She took his shoes off his feet, meaning your rights have been taken to have me. So when the shoes come off the feet, that means you're giving up your rights, right? And then, and the man shall be called in Israel, listen at this, the house of him that hath his shoes loose. So his name now is the house of him that hath his shoes loose. So can you imagine y'all going in a bank, getting a loan, they say, sir, what is your name? The the what? House. My shoes has been loose. This is what happened. He gave up his rights. He didn't want a right to be with this woman. So he had to loose his shoes. When you go back to Boaz and Ruth, um, this man, in order for him, Boaz, this is why Ruth laid at the feet of Boaz. Because that was giving him a right to marry her. She laid at the feet because she said, you a kinsman. He said, don't work like that. It's more people ahead of me that have a right to redeem. Redeem means to purchase, to buy back. You know, all of Naomi's husband's whatever land. So he said, I got to go do things the right way. So what he did, he went to the one that had right, but they had to give up that right. How do they give up their right? They had to take the shoes off their feet and say, I'm giving up my right. To the land, he said, also, when you give up the right to the land, you're giving up the right to um, Ruth. So that means you don't want to marry her, so I'm going to redeem it. What did Jesus do? He redeemed us. He purchased us. Did he not? So that's what happened with Boaz and Ruth. The right, when you give up your rights, you have the right to say, okay, I'm giving up this. I have no right to it no more. Where am I going? When Moses was at the burning bush... He said, take your shoes off. Why did God tell him to take his shoes off? Because it ain't going to be about you. It's going to be about me, Moses. It's going to be me that helped you deliver those people, but you got to get you out the way. So take off your shoes. Give up your right to you. How many of us have died to self really before we come to Jesus? How many of us have gave up ourselves to say it's no longer I who live? How many of us have really died? How many really of us have said, God, it's never about me. It's all about you. It's not what I want. It's what you want. Let your will be done in my life. So that means you're giving up your rights and you're taking on his to write to do what he would have you to do. So when that son came to him with no shoes on, guess what? He had no shoes on because he said, I'm not worthy. I'm a servant. He said, okay, you giving up your rights, but I'm putting your shoes on because you're going to become a son. You my son. So by putting these shoes on, you're going to heed to me. You're going to carry out what I want you to carry out. It's not about you no more. So this whole parable is letting us know that now that when we first got born again, none of us, some of us didn't know we were sons. 
So it's time for us to mature into being sons. When I say sons, it's talking about women too. That's your first place is to come into maturity, to become a son. Why am I saying to become? You're already a son, but you got to mature into sonship. This is why when you see a child that have an inheritance, that child have tutors, right? That's how the law was. The law was their tutor until what? Faith came. Once faith came, they no longer needed a tutor. Once we get in a place, that's why you have the fivefold. The fivefold is to mature you into being a son. So you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It ain't about the title. God have these titles in the body of Christ so he can have order. So things will be in order because if you had everybody trying to do something they ain't supposed to do, we would never get nothing done. So we're supposed to have order. Ain't about me, ain't about you. It's about him. In him we move, in him we live, in him we have our being. We got so many people, we're trying to make up one body. Because every joint supply, but you got some over here pulling away from the body trying to start their own thing. You have the arm over here done, done loose from the body because they're trying to do something on their own and they ain't connected to the body. Because people are saying, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. If I listened to people, y'all, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because everybody thinks you're supposed to have a bigger building. See, they look at the outside. But God is looking at your heart. We can be out there under oak tree. As long as we're doing what God tells us to do, it don't matter where you are. As long as you're doing what God called you to do. He wants us to mature people into being what? Sons. I was listening to this preacher. He was so set on himself because he was growing in grace and he was getting way out there and he was evangelizing and he got his name well known and people were calling on him, you know, because of the things that was going on. So when he went back to the church and they were having a deliverance um, taking place and they had to take this woman in the back. And so when they took the woman in the back, they told the people, go get so-and-so, go get so-and-so. So when he heard that they wanted him, he was like, oh, they called for me. They want me to come. They didn't ask for nobody else but me. So he said, he walking back there all bold and everything. I'm going to handle this demon. He walking all back there because he didn't want to let nobody down because they asked for him specifically. He said when he got in the room, it was two men on each side of the woman holding her arm down. He said she was a big woman. Said she was tall, not big in weight, but she was tall. Said when he come in the room, the woman threw them up against the wall. They slid down and she turned and looked at him in another voice and said, I've been waiting on you. He said he couldn't move. He said he just stood there, couldn't say nothing, and couldn't move. He said the next thing that he knew, it was this little 90-some-year-old woman sitting over there in the corner. Said the 90-some-year-old woman got up. Y'all know how you can point your finger like this? Said her finger was pointed like that. But she pointed at that, that demon. And she told that demon, she didn't call the girl name. She said, in the name of Jesus, I say you come out of her and don't you return in Jesus' name. You have no right to her in the name of Jesus. You go. And say, the girl, calm down. She went up to her. She says, okay now, baby. That's authority. She knew her rights. She knew that she was a son. 
She knew what she had the right to do. He said, and after all that, I had to go change my pants. Because guess why? He couldn't operate. He came in pride. See, just because you have authority and God has given you that right, you cannot operate in pride thinking you're better than anybody else. Thinking that you can do it better than anybody else. We are one body. We work as a team. And when you come outside of that team because you think you know more and you can do more, in that case, God should have put you where over the team. But he know where to place you in that body. Just because you see somebody preaching and teaching and huffing and puffing, that don't mean you huff and puff. That don't mean you do what they do. Everybody has a part in the body of Christ. I am so tired of titles. People look at titles like it's some type of a... Yeah. If you see bishop, bow down before the archbishop, he's coming in. It's out of order. We're here to make sons. And the only, and we want to make sure that sons become mature. Some people say they're sons, but they haven't matured yet. They're still acting childish. So God is saying today, he came to seek and to save those that are lost so they can become sons so we want to make sure you walk in your sonship we want to make sure that you know who you are now that you're in christ that's the first mission who are you you are a new creation you are a new creature now that you're in christ old things have passed away that old sin nature have passed away that old way of doing has passed away behold I am new. All things have become new. It's in your spirit. God works out of your spirit and it moves through your flesh, but nothing is going to move until your mind is renewed according to the word of God. And if you're not in the word of God and your mind ain't getting renewed, guess what's going to happen? You're going to cause division in the body of Christ because you think you know everything. We got people thinking they're supposed to be doing something that God ain't told them to do. And that's why it don't work. And you're pulling people in with what you don't supposed to do. And it becomes rebellion in the body of Christ. Then you're forming witchcraft in the body of Christ. So that's why you spend time with God. And the things that you're supposed to be doing, you be doing it so naturally. It becomes so natural, even though it's supernatural, that people are seeing the glory of God coming through you. Quit picking and choosing what you think. Spend time with God. First of all, learn how to be a son. And quit trying to determine, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor because you know the words. A lot of people know the word. They don't mean they're a pastor. They don't have compassion for the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They see the sheep doing all kind of stuff and don't want to bring correction, don't want to rebuke. It's okay. No, it ain't. No, it's not. See, if you're going to be a pastor, be a pastor. Rebuke, correct, train in righteousness. You got to show compassion. You got to show love. You got to be there for those sheep. Even when it's not enough, you want to make sure they have enough. You want to deny yourself at all times. When things ain't looking right, you take care, take away from you to give to the sheep. Everybody want to be something. And the first thing you need to be is a son. And that's what Jesus was coming to this earth is for sons. It's for sons because when you get up there in heaven, he ain't going to be about no title. 
That's just down here on earth. So I give God glory for this teaching. And we're going to keep going further and further and further. Because the churches are mixed up. And when you're mixed up, you are messed up. Quit trying, stop trying to be a part of a place that have a bigger building with more activities, with more to do. Because when you see all that more to do, if you don't know who you are, it ain't doing you no good. Everything that we do, we do it unto the Lord. It's not about us. We don't do it like the world is doing it. Just because the world is doing this, the church got to do it. No, the church is different from the world. The world's supposed to be wanting what the church want. Want to do what the church is doing. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. At this time, we're going to have the announcements. And um, Gloria Burgess. Gloria, can you stand right there? I want to make sure I get the announcement right. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.